Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. You find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, where we bring a macaroni necklace made by a kindergartner mindset to the pearls and diamonds rocking podium of Formula One racing. Lewis, I'm looking at your earrings, bud. My name is Nolan <laughs> Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists, authors of Racing with Rich Energy. Make sure you buy the book if you haven't already. Get those sales numbers up. <laughs> it's Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King. Hi. Hi. How's it going? We got the nicest email the other day about someone who said they bought the book for a family member, didn't know us, didn't know about us. I guess at some point they like read the book and now they're like, really, they really like us and they really like the book. And I thought that was the sweetest email ever. That's awesome. I love to hear that. Usually I get hate mail. So it's nice to hear people say nice things. Yeah, I I also get hate mail a lot. Um, But in this episode, we're talking about the Austrian Grand Prix. And we're also talking about uh, the little NASCAR race over there in Chicago. Nolan wants to talk about the NASCAR race. Let's write that down. So yeah, of course, watch the F1 race in the morning. We'll get to that. It was good. But then in the afternoon, after much delay, rain delay over there in Chicago, record setting rainfall over there. Of course, the day of the race... They go racing anyway after the rain lets up and the track clears out. And we got a real barn burner of a race over there in NASCAR land. QE V8 supercar driver Shane Van. I'm, I'm going to try this off the top of my head. You got it. Shane Van Ginsbergen. No, no close. Van There's no in. 
Gisbergen. Gisbergen. Dang it. <laughs> uh, SVG, as uh, that he's known, came in and upset the entire NASCAR field, won the race in the very last laps. It was just an incredible performance to see. I'll admit I'm not familiar with this driver. I feel like I've heard his name once or twice, like just going through YouTube. You know how things get served to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, SVJ, Van Gisbergen, uh, came over here and just had a commanding performance. Congratulations to him. It was so awesome to watch. I was just about to say they accidentally said SVJ instead of SVG <laughs> on the NASCAR broadcast, and you did it too. And did I? I? Yeah, you said SVJ. Because I had SVG in my mind. It's it's the Lamborghini, and it I'm is. watching I'm watching the NASCAR broadcast, and they said SVJ, and I was like, oh, there's a Lambo on track. What's going on? For a little bit of extra context here, NASCAR had its first ever street race in Chicago. Uh, had a lot of one-offs. They call them road course ringers. So Jensen Button, our guest from uh-huh. our previous episode, was one of those drivers. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen is one of the most successful supercars drivers. This is like stock car racing down in Australia. Absolutely incredible guy. So funny. He's had the big rivalry with uh, Scott McLaughlin, who now races in IndyCar. So we're starting to see all those drivers kind of moving over here. It was so cool. I didn't watch the whole race. I started it. I was at an awards ceremony for Monster Jam. And <laughs> afterward, all of the PR folks, we got into the a bar and watched it, uh, the ending. because We checked the score after we got out and it was like, no freaking way. <laughs> And for further context, NASCAR has had these road course ringers for a long time. So Marcus Ambrose, who he came over from supercars, he did really well on road courses for a long time in NASCAR. But in recent years, there have been teams who have opted to have an extra car that doesn't run all of the races to bring in drivers from other series and other countries. So one of those cars is Project 91. It is a division of Trackhouse Racing, which is owned by Justin Marks and Pitbull. Yes, that mm-hmm. Pitbull, Mr. 305. Dale. Um, yeah, Dale. Uh, I Dale. just sound so white saying that <laughs> just now. <laughs> Three for Dale. So they have Project 91, and Project 91 is a non-full-time car that people from other racing series in other countries come and run. Kimi Raikkonen has run it a couple of times. He ran it at Circuit of the Americas earlier this year. So they got Shane Van Gisbergen, and they put him in the Project 91 car, and it was his first ever start in the Cup Series. This dude was out there making the wildest moves, right? Like, he is diving into these corners, breaking later than anyone else, and just zooming past him. It was incredible racecraft. And if you were watching from a perspective of not watching NASCAR a lot, you may be like, oh, they all just got their asses kicked by some other person. In fact, it's kind of a testament to the fact that this new NASCAR next-gen car, which has been out for two years... It's more of a road racer. It's more of a GT car. And that was the idea that NASCAR wanted behind this car. They wanted it to be more similar to GT cars so that people can come over and they can run it very, very well. And when they're in conditions that they're used to and the rest of the field is not, they can show off and they can adapt to it. Now, what's really impressive is the fact that in Australia, Shane runs on the other side of the car. So... Mm -hmm. Instead of shifting with his right hand, 
he shifts with his left hand and he's on the opposite side of the car. So that's something that he had to adapt to. And Denny Hamlin, who is a NASCAR driver, has a podcast and they were talking about Shane and his co-host Jared brought up the fact that Shane drives on the other side of the car and you could just see Denny's face just drop. He was like, <laughs> what? I didn't even think of that. That's so He funny. was shifting with his other hand. Incredible showing by Shane. He now, by virtue of winning this race, he actually qualifies for next year's all-star race. So <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, I really do hope that Project 91 says, Shane, you have qualified for the All-Star Race, which is no points. Come on over and do the All-Star Race, buddy. Let's do an oval. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see. Shane, we love you. We thank you. We are a Formula One podcast. Time for Formula One. (sighs) Let's start off with qualifying. The big moments of qualifying, which... We also had a sprint shootout this weekend because it was a sprint race, which I forgot about until I was turning on qualifying to watch it. I thought it was a P2. (laughs) (laughs) The big moments here were when Valtteri Bottas spun in Q1. He went butt first, which we know is his favorite, and still made it into Q2. We had Red Bull Sergio Perez knocked out in Q2 for the fourth race in a row because his... yeah. And this was because his fastest time had to be deleted due to track limits. Oh. My my sweet, beautiful summer child, Lance Stroll, qualified ahead of Fernando Alonso for the second time this season, which means that Fernando's guidance is finally paying off. And we get down to the final qualifying session, and pole position was, according to the broadcast, a half of a tenth of a second with Max Verstappen on pole, followed by Charles Leclerc and his teammate Carlos Sainz. And shockingly, McLaren, they're doing some things again. They got Lando Norris up into P4. Man, McLaren is still on the grid. Who would have thought? Hmm. Not just on the grid, but also not knocked out of Q1. Some implications for Boyfriend of the Week this week with that performance. Oh, no. I'm kidding. No. (laughs) What's interesting is we are going to talk more about track limits, but... I want to read a quote from Christian Horner about Checo. He's got a car that was easily capable of being on the first or second row. He was matching Max's times. It stay in the white lines. It was strike one, strike two, Checo, just stay in the white lines, strike three, and that was it. And what is so fascinating to me is track limits were a huge discussion all weekend. But we only ever discuss track limits about Max when he's doing it by himself. Have you noticed this? Everyone else's track limits violations cause some sort of chaos. Like Max Verstappen is going to be so fast in qualifying that it doesn't matter if he messes up track limits. He'll still have like a banger lap left. And if he messes up track limits during the race, he's still 5,000 seconds ahead of everyone. So he's got like... The ability to do that, but Checo does not. Checo, Checo is not, uh, he's not the favorite child. We also had the sprint shootout, as Elizabeth said. I also forgot that it was a sprint race weekend until I turned on practice and it was <laughs> qualifying. And I was like, huh, who would have thought? We had the sprint race. It was very wet. The shootout was interesting. Mercedes had trouble. They, they mm. were not doing super great. Lewis Hamilton qualified P18, and if you're watching the sprint shootout, you watch him, he's in like 
15th or something like that. And then people just keep knocking him down. But he's still on track. And you're like, all right, he's going to he's going to put one up there. Right. No, nope. nope. He stays right there. It was it was rough. George Russell actually made it out of S Q one. We're just adding different letters to this. It's pronounced squun. It's pronounced squun. Um, yeah. So instead of Q one, Q two, and Q three, we have S Q one, S Q two, and S Q three. It's like the Audi lineup here. Um, <laughs> he had a hydraulics issue, so he started P fifteen. Lando, again, our hero, took P three, and Nico Hulkenberg took P four in the shootout. So it was an interesting time. What's even the point of doing qualifying if we're just going to do more qualifying for a race that is also qualifying? Because, Nolan, you complained about the sprint <laughs> setting the the field for the race. So F1 changed it so that the sprint is its own thing. And now you're complaining. I'm going to complain about this no matter what form they implement it in, <laughs> including if they do what I'm about to say, which is have a sprint, a sprint championship. Saturdays. Don't matter for the F1 championship. So Max wins another trophy. Yeah, you get the <laughs> SF1 trophy, the shootout F1 championship. Look, I'll be honest, on sprint weekends, I, I I treat the sprint race like qualifying. I just watch that, and then I watch the race on Sunday. What is happening? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. So we have the sprint race, right? And we have some drama. It was short-lived drama, but drama nonetheless. Max started P1, Checo starts P2, and they, they're battling, right? They're going back and forth, and they're mad at each other. They're getting angry. Max is like, Checo, Checo's pushing me off the track, and Checo's like, I'm not doing anything, and they're having a fit. That doesn't last very long. Max takes the lead. It's kind of over from there. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, he got in there, and he was running P2 for a little bit, and then Checo came back. Lando starts P3, gets caught up in a bottleneck, finishes P9. George Russell, our man in his divorced dad flip-flops, goes from P15 to P8. So there was some stuff that happened. I've been in a, a, a staunch sprint race hater. Uh, you can go back and listen. I mean, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know my thoughts on this. I, do, I, I think they're dumb. I don't like it. Uh, this was actually a really good one, though. Things happened. Uh, I loved... You know, the Red Bull drivers going off track on that straight in the first lap, risking it all. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, some good passing, good battles. I will I will say it was it was a good sprint race. I will concede. I maybe my stance on all sprint races are bad is is wrong because uh, this one was not bad. It was it was good. You know, we were talking about Nico Hulkenberg and Nico Hulkenberg getting into P2 and when this happens, everybody posts the meme, the Nico Hokenberg apology form. I think we talked about this last week because mm -hmm. people were posting about it last week. I never got to go over my research on Nico Hokenberg. Elizabeth, do you know what his favorite activity outside of driving a Formula One car is? Fitness. No. Here we go. And I quote, chilling in my free time. I am the king of chill out. You could also use the term couch potato. But king of chill out definitely sounds better. Very relatable. <laughs> this race was certainly something. There were over 1,200 track limits violations during this event. Okay? Wow. Over 1,200. There were so many track limits violations that stewards were unable to actually investigate all of them <laughs> within the time of the race and within a reasonable amount of time after the race. 
Five hours after the race, they released an updated standing to show that the what we saw happen and the podium we saw and the celebrations and the results we all understood were to be true when we signed off of the post-race broadcast at perhaps 11 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, all of that, we're throwing that out the window. So two, two whole entire drivers did not get track limits violations. Fernando Alonso and George Russell, the only two who did not get penalized wow. and did not get in trouble Good boys. for these things. Go, yes. Fernando. I think it's safe to say that it was too much. <laughs> <laughs> so after the race, when they issued these penalties, there were 12 additional penalties added after the event was over, which is impressive because it was so bad that the FIA decided to change how it penalized off-track infractions because otherwise everyone would have finished a race before and wouldn't have actually finished this race. So four infractions usually gives you a five-second penalty and five infractions gives you ten. Every infraction after that is an additional five. They decided to reset the clock and just start it over once you got a penalty because otherwise you just have so many penalties. Okay? <laughs> Carlos signs dropped from fourth to sixth. Lewis Hamilton dropped from 7th to 8th. Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, and Yuki Tsunoda all got penalties. But our very own son, Stebby Ocon, seemed to have the hardest time with the whole staying in the lines thing. He was given four separate penalties that added up to 30 total seconds, but he only dropped from 12th to 14th place. I saw some folks on Twitter who were saying... Track limits are there for a reason and that it'd be silly for like a soccer player to complain about all of this. You know, we have to stay within these lines and, you know, why can't we play on all the grass outside? Line? Whatever. I disagree. If there are twelve hundred track limits violations, I'm not going to blame the drivers as much as I'm going to blame the yes. track or the Same. officiating. The problem yes. has to be that the track is no longer capable of hosting these cars. Agreed. That argument kind of sounds like someone saying, like someone who's driving the speed limit in the in the passing lane, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I'm going the speed limit. Everyone else is going around me. No, it's like it's the passing lane. It's called that for a reason. I've been a proponent of track limits in the past, uh, but I think I will admit that the system is a little wrong. Uh, I am anti-track limits. Yeah, you know, you watch some other racing series, not NASCAR though, because those guys uh, they they, they have know. no track limits. They have no track limits, and they they make some weird lines around Circuit of the Americas. But um, you know, IndyCar pretty loose with their track limits. Uh, I mean, the iconic Alex Zanardi pass in the grass mm -hmm. at Laguna Seca that would not be possible without a lack of track limits. You know, so I think mm -hmm. we're almost kind of not only spectacle wise are we kind of holding ourselves back with these track limit limitations. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I don't want to have to like do homework after a race is over <laughs> to see who actually won and who yeah. actually finished where. Track limits much. are acceptable, right, within a certain confine, but they need to be able to change. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if you've ever done any amount of performance driving, I've done a couple of different schools I've driven a couple of different cars on the same track. The same cars, all the like if I take three cars around one track, the way that those cars handle that track are different. You gotta like when you change a car so much, the way that we have done with these new regulations, like you need to reevaluate what the track limits 
are within the ranges of that car, I'm fine if you y'all move them and whatever, and you you redefine what those limits are. But holy crap, it's embarrassing. I think to have your finishing order redetermined five hours after the mm-hmm. race, and then have to like try to explain that to someone who just watches the race. I will just say because we started this episode with NASCAR, Nolan opened this gate at Phoenix Raceway. The mm, whole damn mm-hmm. thing is paved. Okay. Yeah. Those cars take the green flag and they fan out like seven wide mm-hmm. under the line. There are no track limits. You can cut the track as hard as you want. They will cut on to pit road exit because mm-hmm. they don't care. Okay. And you know why? It and also it gives that track a lot of character. The the Yes, the, it does. The fact that they can do that, it like it, it adds like you know, when you go to watch Phoenix, you're like, okay, I know I'm going to see some weird stuff at this track because of that. And my other thought is I petition to give Ross Chastain super license points and put him in Formula One because you all know Ross Chastain. He is the man who last year, in order to get a oh, yes. spot in the final four in NASCAR to race for the championship, he was at Martinsville, tiny little oval track. Last lap, he had to pass a driver, Denny Hamlin, who was way in front of him. He wasn't going to do it. So he floored it into the final two turns, which are basically just circular, right? Because the track is so small. Rode the wall all the way around at full speed. Looked like a spaceship. Got the spot. Got into the championship for The move was so unforeseen and so shocking that NASCAR had to ban it after the fact. Mm -hmm. They're like, look, we'll give it to you, but you can't do that again. Ross Chastain also last year at the Indianapolis road course, there was a rule where if things were getting bottled up in the first turn, you could take the access road on the Indianapolis road course (laughs) to avoid disaster. That is very ambiguous. Mm -hmm. So Ross Chastain reads the rules and Ross goes, there is no rule. My man goes down the access road by himself, rejoins the track in the lead. NASCAR had to penalize him after the fact, even though what he did was legal because it was so embarrassing for them that he found that loophole. They had to penalize him anyway. He ended up finishing like 29th or something like that. Anyway, Ross Chastain to Formula One. That is my pitch. I'm not trying to act flippant and say that enforcing rules is easy and that these fixes should be easy um but just the fact that there are 1200 penalties and it was it it was an embarrassing moment i think for f1 i don't know we just need to i guess have a more nuanced kind of interpretation of some of these these rules so the sport can have those kind of highlight moment uh you know wide world of sports moments where you know we have the f1 version of ross chastain riding the wall or that the Alex Zanardi pass at Laguna Seca. But if we have these super stringent rules, we're not going to have that. And it's going to hamper the sport. And people aren't going to want to do homework. Also, I just thought of this. You don't want to force your drivers to sound like snitches the entire race. That was like half of the radio messages on the broadcast was just like, oh, Lewis went off course. Oh, Lando did this. You know, it, it makes them sound bad. It limits the appeal of them. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, 
Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Track limits were not the only issue this weekend. It was a tattletale fest. It was just everyone. No one's even paying attention to what they're doing. They're paying attention to what the drivers around them are doing. So. We start out, Lando Norris keeps coming on the radio and he's like, Lewis is over track limits. Lewis is over track limits. Lewis is over track limits. He is told to continue reporting it since it is a violation, right? So his team is like, yeah, dude, keep reporting it. So we get into this live commentary fest where Lando's like, Lewis is over track limits in this turn. After he said, I was going to do live commentary at every corner pretty much. He only (laughs) got a five second penalty question mark. It should be way more. He had about four strikes in one lap. Say, okay, I want to watch racing. I don't want to hear like courtroom deliberation (laughs) during the broadcast. It's it's not it's not fun. Okay, I want to hear it, but not for the right reasons. I want to hear it so I can make fun of it, which is not good. It's not good. That's not how the sport grows. And honestly, like the less of the like it makes our job harder as podcasters, but I just don't see how the FI looks at this and is like, yes, this is how we want our sport to conduct itself and how we want to be perceived. And, and, and they do so much work to curate the image that F1 projects into the world and the image they're allowing these drivers to project are kids being mad on the playground because someone stole their toy. It really like, is. It, yes. It's embarrassing. Like. Every time I heard one of those messages, I just got like that secondhand cringe. Like when you see someone at the mall do something terrible and you're just like, I can't believe they let them out of the house looking like that. (laughs) Like it's the same thing with these drivers. What got worse was the Tattletale Fest started out with Lando telling on Lewis. And then pretty soon after that, Lewis starts telling on everybody. And you're like, Lewis, Lewis. Pot, kettle, like, what are we doing? Are you serious? So Lewis starts live commentating on Checo, beginning in, like, lap 22 or something like that. He's like, Checo's going over track limits. Get Checo, get Checo. I can't believe we haven't gotten Checo yet. What's going on? And you're like, are you joking? should make these cars harder to drive so the drivers don't have time to be doing that. No, we should get rid of radios. (laughs) Turn them off. It's a one-way radio. You can only be spoken to. I did think it was an exciting race. There was a lot of on-track action and everything, but it was overshadowed by the penalty situation and the constant snitching that just kind of, I don't know, left a bad taste in my mouth, to be honest. The other side of that is that it was actually really funny and very entertaining, but not in the way that the FIA would have wanted. Well, no, like, that's the thing, though, is, like, I think it's funny, but at the same time, if it, like, this is not the race I want to show someone when I'm like, hey, please watch my sport. Like, it's it's not the, 
you know, the paragon of content. And, like, not every race is going to be that way. But this one is one of those, like, if you're going to rewatch the 2023 season, please do not watch Austria. It was embarrassing and sad. Yeah. We did have good news. <laughs> Lando Norris had his first great weekend of the season. He started P4 after a great qualifying session. Uh, slumped down again during the sprint, then p- finished P5 in the Grand Prix before penalties. After those penalties, he was promoted to P4. He also won driver of the day for his efforts, which was awesome. The McLaren looked great. Not so great for Oscar Piastri, but that's because Lando had the upgraded version of the car. He's the only driver that has it at the moment. But I believe I heard that more upgrades are coming for the British Grand Prix over there at Silverstone. Yes. So looking forward to seeing how far McLaren can push it. And now that McLaren has a good car, uh, we can start maybe to see the potential of one Oscar Piastri behind the wheel. I don't think he's going to do as well as Lando. Obviously, Lando has the juice, as we've mentioned before. But I do want to see what Mr. Piastri can do with this new car. Lando's team warned him about track limits uh, that everyone seemed to be having in a specifically delicate way using the phrase, don't hate me. Um, I thought that was really funny, actually. Like, don't hate me. Please, please just be good. Please follow the rules. See, even the teams don't want to do this. But yeah, great, great performance from Lando. Again, kids got the juice. We also had a nice little battle with Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez for P3. It was during the last 10 laps of the race. But there was also um, this battle between Carlos Sainz and guess who? Ferrari. Ouch. Yay. Uh, pretty early on in the race, Carlos is like, hey, I'm faster than Charles. Let's go. And the team said, they said this after the race. They said, no, we didn't want to attack ourselves. But during the race, that was basically the um, summary of what they told Carlos. So here's Carlos trapped. And then around lap 60, he says Checo is pushing him off the track like crazy. And he accused Checo of intimidating him. I love that uh, phrase. Checo, Checo was asked about this later, and he was like, all right, that's weird. <laughs> later, he said, obviously frustrated with the final outcome after having such a strong pace on medium tires, feeling like I was also playing the team game and not getting rewarded with a good result. And this brings us back to the question of Ferrari always says we are equals, but are we I think you are, Carlos, because we know you've got the juice. Your team does not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ouch. They just do weird stuff. They're weird people over there for (laughs) Ferrari. They are. (laughs) It's a weird thing going on. It's like, I feel like you can make Ferrari into like an animated movie where you just kind of laugh at everyone's decisions but they're not making those decisions for a punchline. Like they're just making those decisions and you end up laughing at them. They're just, yeah. just bizarre, man. Well, we held Carlos back and Charles Leclerc therefore finished P2. Good for him. Bad. The man has been broken for 1000 years. So maybe having a good result will will cheer him up. He was asked at one point while leading the race with Max Verstappen on his tail if he would be okay with a three-stop strategy, and he just let out this defeated sigh and said, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. My brain was broken by that question uh, when I heard it during the race. Three I was just like, nope, nobody Why? else is doing that. What are you talking about? 
Like mm. at least they asked him and didn't just tell him, and then he had yeah. to endure that whole nonsense. Yeah, Mm-mm. it just would not have worked out for them. <laughs> Meanwhile, over at Red Bull, it's time to check in with Checo. We already talked about the battle with Carlos Sainz near the end of the race, but Checo had a great race overall. Came back from P15 to P3. Pretty good job. Although, if I was Red Bull, I would still be like, you got to be P2 for this to be even a pass, you know? Yes. Um, Especially with just the man's performance lately. Checo also got a black and white flag for track limits on lap 70 of 71, meaning he could have lost his podium if he went off one more time. That must have been pretty nerve-wracking. Speaking of of nerve-wracking, do we think at this point Checo is having nightmares about Daniel Ricciardo? (laughs) Do you think he's waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and all he sees behind his eyelids are Daniel Ricciardo? Is Daniel Ricardo, but like his teeth. That's it. Just in a big smile. That's like, all. Oh, oh, yeah. Just like pointy teeth and a giant smile. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to get you. Mm-hmm. He's oh. being hunted down by Jaws, but it's just Daniel Ricardo. I mean, do we think? Do we think he's seeing him in his nightmares? He's probably also worried about Max's mom, like calling him out on Twitter for some reason. <laughs> Oh, I know. Like, we got to keep everything on lockdown because if we don't, Max's mom is going to be tweeting about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think that there's room for concern at this point. Like, I I don't know. I thought Checo had a good, good chance of proving himself and staying with the team. But at this point. Mm. Look, I think that's the it's going to happen to every number two driver at Red Bull. As long as Max is that lead driver, we're going to see the same thing. Here's what happens, I think, if Daniel does come back to Red Bull taking Checo's spot. I think Daniel has a really good first race. The man is clearly in a lot better place than he was uh, when we last saw him. He uses that energy, and then we see a slow decline as the season moves yes, on. That's exactly it. No one in that second seat is ever actually going to thrive. It's just going to be like... This time next year, we will be talking about who Daniel Ricardo is having nightmares about, and mm-hmm. it's going to be some like reserve driver that, that Red Bull has just signed. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's a novelty issue. We've talked about this before with Nick DeVries. When someone does not do something all the time, it is very novel to watch them come do it. Mm-hmm. You know, when they do that thing all the time, you start criticizing them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is what. Daniel Ricardo will, if he makes it back to the Formula One grid, he will do one race and everybody will freak out. They'll be like, Daniel Ricardo. And I don't think it has anything to do with Daniel himself. I think it's just like it's the, everyone. The the card, the deck is stacked against you when you're at Red Bull and your name is not Max Verstappen. The deck is also stacked against you when you do something all the time. It's just how sure. it is. People, people nitpick you more. They get used to you and they get comfortable with you mm-hmm. and then they pick you apart. That's mm-hmm. how this works. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but you're honestly better off making one F1 start every once in a while than you are just being in the car all the time if you're going to be the second Red Bull driver. It's true. That's how it is. <laughs> Yuki Sonoda went absolutely feral in this race. Like there was <laughs> a lot going on. Um, he hit an Alpine at turn one. <laughs> <laughs> then he breaks late at turn four and he ends up in the gravel to avoid a collision. Out comes the safety car right away. Okay, we just started this race and it's already out there. Alpha Tauri replaces Yuki's front wing. Then he spends the rest of the race catching penalties 
just like everyone else. This includes a five-second penalty after the race for track limits. Yuki, the lines, we got to stay in them. He finished ultimately 18th, which is not good. <laughs> that's not, not good at all. But that's the story of AlphaTauri's season. I mean, it's the story of AlphaTauri's season, but you don't want to be spectacular while you finish 18th. You know what I mean? You don't want your name to be out there because you you did a little a little hit in somebody and you did a little spin and you you know got your your penalty points. The gravel, you forgot yeah. about the detour. I did forget about the detour. You don't want that to be on your plate. I think like you can just do pull a Nicholas Latifi and like finish like 18th every race unspectacularly aside from those two times you crash into the wall and <laughs> change the face <laughs> One of the of championship. Those times was quite spectacular. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for him. I mean, he's got the team on his back and uh Unfortunately, AlphaTauri also has Red Bull on their back. So now, yes. yeah. yeah, like you said, lots of pressure. Lots of lots of weight on that young man's shoulders right there. God, I would <laughs> love to see him in like a Mercedes or something like that. Oh, man. He would have a meltdown. No, I think he'd fit in. Uh, he would definitely get mad about something and have a meltdown. And Mercedes would be like, oh, back to AlphaTauri. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of other people who did their detours this weekend. Oh, no. Nico Hulkenberg, my absolute We're number back. one favorite driver, started the race P8 after a very good qualifying session and a decent showing during the sprint race. And then Sunday happened. And guess mm. what? He uh, went off on lap 14 with smoke coming out of his car and brought out the second yellow flag of the day. He claimed that he just lost power. Hmm. Uh, and then guess what? He joined the track limits club after, after he DNF'd. This man, like his car was dead and they were like, but in order to get off of the track to go into the gravel, you had to detour and break track limits. Um, so it wasn't great. Nico Hulkenberg, fun fact. What's the worst thing about being famous? Uh, what would he say? Uh, think about it. It's it's not hard. What's the most offensive thing he could say? I have to treat women like people. <laughs> people taking selfies with me. I hate that. What? Oh, no. Nico! I have multiple on, selfies dude. with Nico Hulkenberg. He must hate me. Um, Nico Hulkenberg. Fun fact: You can invite three people to dinner, living or dead. Who do you invite? Leonardo DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street. The real guy from Wolf of Wall Street and Mar Margot Robbie from Wolf of Wall Street. Actually, really close. Donald Trump, Usain Bolt, and Marilyn Monroe. I was going to say Donald Trump. Oh, I freaking knew it. And at the time of this interview, they said, Nico, what books are you reading? And he was like, I don't really read books, but I'm reading a book about Donald Trump. <laughs> Last Nico Hulkenberg fun fact. What is something he thinks everyone should try once in their lives? Is it skydiving? No, it's not even close. <laughs> Probably going to the Bahamas. I haven't been there, so it's kind of a goal for me. I love that. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg, you are a Formula One driver. You are sponsored by Palm Angels, which sells t-shirts for four figures. Go to the Bahamas. You definitely go it's to the Bahamas, not that dude. hard. <laughs> Live your life, man. Live your dream. Follow, you know, follow that. Live your truth, Nico Hulkenberg. That'll do it for our Nico Hulkenberg fun facts. Back to the race. Max Verstappen dominated. I'm sure you didn't know that. There was a little bit of back and forth with Charles Leclerc. So 
At the end of the race, Max Verstappen calls his own pit stop. We're on lap 69. He's leading by 24 seconds and his team did not want to risk a tire change. They're like, dude, you got like three laps left. Stay out there. No, Max comes in anyway (laughs) because he wants to put on soft tires and go for fastest lap in his last two laps of the race. They do a great pit stop. He goes back out there and he does it. And his team is like, all right, whatever. I guess that's fine. Pretty baller. It was it was pretty cool. Um, Definitely didn't listen to anyone, though. So good job, Max. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Aston Martin, they had a quiet weekend in Austria despite landing P4 in the sprint. Alonso finished in P6 and Lance Stroll in P10. But that was before the post-race penalties. Afterwards, uh uh-oh, Alonso moved up to P5 and Lance Stroll to P9. So pretty decent weekend for Aston Martin. Uh, Obviously not the podium positions that Fernando was hoping for, but pretty good. So to sum it all up, the podium was Max Verstappen in his fifth win in a row, Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez. No one on the podium got affected by post-race penalties, but penalties did change the rest of the finishing order. So that's how we end up with Lando Norris and Fernando Alonso completing the top five uh, after Carlos Sainz dropped from fourth to sixth. After that, in seventh came George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, Lance Stroll, and Pierre Gasly for that final point. The fastest lap went to our guy Max Verstappen. Driver of the day was Lando Norris, and our one single DNF was Nico Hulkenberg, who, fun fact, says his worst purchase is headphones at the airport. That's the most relatable thing he's said so far. Yeah, (laughs) I can't. I can't knock him for that. Okay, so (laughs) that is it for the Austrian Grand Prix. But next week we've got the British Grand Prix. So let's lace up those tennis shoes, get that step count app out. It's time for our track walk. So we've got the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Silverstone was born out of a World War II Royal Air Force bomber station, which was built in 1942 to train pilots in night bombing techniques. It was first used for motor racing in 1947, and the first Formula One Grand Prix ever, the first official one, was hosted at Silverstone on May 13, 1950, when Giuseppe Farina won in his Alfa Romeo 158. Despite numerous layout changes over the years, Silverstone has remained one of the fastest tracks with some of the most challenging corners on the calendar. However, it is horrifyingly flat, so if you go in person, get a grandstand ticket. Don't do what I did and try to do general admission. You're not going to see anything. All right. Thank you so much for that, Liz. It's time for Boyfriend of the Week. (laughs) That's right. Boyfriend of the Week is our recurring segment. You know the drill. Who's the best? It's middle school rules. It's for the week only. Um, it can be anybody in any racing series or anywhere online. You know how it goes. I think I'll just start things off. Mm. My boyfriend of the week, you know, we talked about Shane Van Gisbergen. My boyfriend of the week is going to Austin Dillon over there in NASCAR. Oh, wow. That was crazy. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> you know, he was on track to win that race. He was putting on a pretty commanding performance of his own. Had the the... V8 supercar gods not uh, smited him by putting SVG (laughs) in that race. I think Austin would have won. He was putting on a very good performance. Yeah, and he's my my pity boyfriend of the week. 
My boyfriend of the week is Toto Wolf. Oh. Wow. So, the funniest radio message during the race came from Toto Wolf. Uh, Lewis was just not having it and was complaining about the car. And Toto just came on the radio and straight up told him, Lewis, we know the car is bad. Please drive it. So simple. That was so funny. So simple and so savage. You know you fucked up when the big boss has to get on the radio to tell you to be quiet. Yeah. That was, Toto's my boyfriend of the week. It was I, so funny. Yeah. I had a good chuckle. A good hearty Honestly, chuckle. incredible picks by both of you. Like, I mean, Austin Dillon, that one, that one blew me out of the water. I was shocked. That was a good one, Nolan. <laughs> um, Toto's message, great. My boyfriend of the week. The admin for the F1 Australian Grand Prix Twitter account. Ooh. Okay. So if you're not on Twitter, whatever, a thing that tracks and races and everything will do they will just tweet throughout the year to keep engagement up right Mm -hmm. so they'll often tweet about like when someone wins a race or something like that part of the way through the race the race is not over the australian grand prix twitter account tweets a graphic that says hashtag austrian gp first and it has max verstappen in his car okay and they say king of the red bull ring crown emoji Max Verstappen charged home to a victory (laughs) in a dominant effort in Spielberg. Trophy emoji. Hashtag F1. Hashtag Austrian GP. The race is still going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's not over. (laughs) It's not over. They accidentally sent it early. And so instead of deleting it, instead of, like, shamefully deleting it, they add a tweet to the thread and they go, you know, we're going to keep it up anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I respect it. And it was so funny because they clearly sent it early and then they were like, no, it's fine. It's fine. He's still going to win. Yeah, we're going to change. <laughs> and I just thought that was wonderful. Just own it. You know what? Everybody's already everybody's already laughing about it. Yeah. Don't delete it. Then they're just going to be embarrassed for you. Own it. Make a joke and move on. And that's what they did. And I thought it was wonderful. Love it. And you know who won the race? Max. That's how you earn a slot as boyfriend of the week. Be funny on Twitter. Be funny, even when you don't mean to. Thank you. Before we go, we have one more thing we want to address. We want to take a moment to acknowledge the death of 18-year-old racer Delano Vantoff, who was killed this weekend in a Formula Regional European Championship race at Spa. Uh, That was just four years after Formula 2 driver Antoine Hubert was killed in similar conditions at the same track. Uh, Van Toff was a Dutch racer. He was regional champion in Formula 4 Spain back in 2021, which was his very first year of single-seater racing. Uh, and he joined the Freca Formula Regional European Championship in 2022. Uh, it's worth just mentioning motorsport is safer than it's ever been, but Van Toff's death is very a somber reminder that we can and should push for greater safety advancements uh, to continue protecting our racers. Not to bring the mood down, but we just wanted to to mention that because... We are here to talk about yeah. motorsport and our thoughts are with his family and his loved ones in this time. Yeah. The cars are like as safe as they've ever been. Like mm-hmm. the, the engineering that goes into them is just unbelievable, but there's still decisions that get made that put mm-hmm. these drivers lives at risk. I mean, before the, we started recording the show, we we're talking about this a little bit mm-hmm. and just the decision to continue racing in wet conditions at spa in particular mm-hmm. Why do we even keep trying this? We know it's not safe. We've had driver like uh, Hubert in the past. It's not smart, especially with these kids, man. 
mm-hmm. these younger drivers, forcing them to do that too, it's not smart. Spectacle is not worth putting people in danger. And also, especially when you have younger drivers, you need to think about the fact that they are not in a point in their lives, most likely, where they feel like standing up to the adults and saying, hey, adults, mm-hmm. we don't want to do this. You know, you could have actual adults, people who are in the top levels of racing, they can likely have these conversations a lot better because they're speaking eye to eye with the people who are officiating them and go, hey, we don't want to race in this. Let's make a fuss. Mm -hmm. When you're working with actual kids, Mm -hmm. they are kind of at your mercy. And you really need to think about historical precedent, what happens in these conditions, and if it is worth waiting. And it is always worth waiting because it's not worth it to put on a show yeah. To hurt someone. The yeah. issue here was that the weather kind of opened up and the stewards decided to restart the race in what was essentially a one lap shootout for the finish. Of Those course. are terrible conditions, even in the dry. I had a lot of criticisms about the Indy 500 doing a very similar yep. thing this year uh, because you have a lot of drivers pushing very hard, doing things that they may not normally do. So it was just it was not great officiating. Um, and that's something that we we all can learn from, uh, especially just because it can be easy to forget that motorsport is still as dangerous as it is. Yeah. And I do think a lot of this is aided by the fact that not only is motorsport going for more of these game seven moments, that's a thing that originated in NASCAR. Like mm-hmm. we need it to be game seven to the buzzer. And then when Formula One got a reality series and things get very dramatic, you're seeing other forms of motorsports go for these shootouts and do Mm -hmm. these like restarts and just go again and again and again, rack them up, let's send them out again. Because we take take for granted the fact that these vehicles are pretty safe. Mm -hmm. We take that for granted and we just rack them up and we send them again. But even when these cars are very, very safe and these tracks are generally safe, Things happen. You cannot just keep racking them up for the sake mm-hmm. of the sake of entertainment. I'm value. actually like kind of heated right now. Yeah. Just thinking about the decisions that were made that ended in Delano's death right here. Like this yeah. is it's f-ed up. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really sad. And like we, I don't know. There's a lot that needs to change. And I hope that this becomes a wake up call, especially for anyone who's officiating at spa. We are heading there with Formula One shortly. Like, let's get this together and make sure that we're putting on safe events. This track is historic. It is dangerous. It, you know, it has those quirks that a modern track doesn't. We need to keep that in mind. Before the show, I was like, yeah, we shouldn't be racing at Spa on the wet. But, you know, we really shouldn't be officiating Spa like it's fine, especially for these younger drivers. Considerations need to be made for the weather and conditions and precedents, like you've said. You know, a lot of drivers have been vocal about changing some aspects of spa. Um, and I could go either way on it in the past, but now I'm like, just change it, change the track, yeah. make it safer. It's like you said, Liz, this track is one of the old monsters and it needs to come into the modern age. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the glory and like the, the accomplishment of driving at such a, uh, old track. It's not worth it. It's no. not where it leads to kids dying. In in five years, we've had two young drivers die at the same corner in the same way. It's not worth mm-hmm. it. Let's yeah. change it. 
history is not worth killing people. Just like when they first announced that the halo was actually happening, mm-hmm. it was multi- it was many years leading up to this where they were talking about partially closing the cockpit or doing whatever in Formula One. When they actually made the move to say, hey, we're, we're debuting the Halo in 2018. This is happening. A lot of the drivers were very against it, including Lewis Hamilton, which surprised mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, this takes away from the look of the car. This is not how it's always been. Does anybody complain about the Halo anymore? Hmm. I was going to no. say, we've had multiple instances where the Halo has definitely saved someone from even just getting a concussion. Um, similar things happened in IndyCar this weekend where... There was a where- crash at Spa. Yeah. With Fernando Alonso yeah. a couple years ago where he definitely would have died yeah. if it weren't for that halo. Once you change things, people are very adaptable. People are not just going to cling on to history forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever. People adapt to things and they will adapt if you make changes to either spa or how you officiate spa. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the British Grand Prix. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all of your friends to tune into the Donut Racing Show. If you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, it really helps us out. We also have an email address where you can get in touch. I'll give you that address in a minute. But first, I'm going to read you an email we got recently. Hello. I was just listening to you all describe how Stebby was so happy to be on the podium at Monaco, which prompted my next thought and question. Even though I feel like I'm going to date myself with this question and you all may need a tinfoil cat hat for it. Here it is. (laughs) I've been watching slash following F1 since the late 80s, and almost every time whoever gets on the podium at Monaco is happier than if they got on the podium at any other race. Do you think there are bonuses for drivers in their contracts for winning or getting on the podium at specific tracks like Monaco? I've been a fan of DRS and past gas since day one for both shows. I enjoy every Monday and Wednesday because of you all. Thank you. Respectfully, Yosip. It's pronounced with a Y instead of a J, kind of like Yoss Verstappen. So that's a good question. What do we think? Honestly, I think it could go either way. I think they could just be happy because Monaco is Monaco, Mm -hmm. just like winning the Daytona 500 or the Indy 500 is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Or they could be happy because they get more money because Daytona 500, Indy 500, you do get more money. I was going to say, so I believe if I am correct on this, and I'll have to double check to prove that I am not uh, just talking out of my ass here. Back in the day, race organizers themselves used to provide the prize purse. Now that's mandated by F1. So you should theoretically, I believe, be getting the same amount of money that you would at any race. But that was why Watkins Glen was such a big deal back in the day, because the prize purse was bigger there than it was literally anywhere else. I think it is just the prestige of it. Like, yes, you just want to be on the podium in Monaco. Like, you're part of you're part of history. It means you did a good job at one of the tracks that has been there since the start. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea what goes on in an F1 team. I'm just some guy on a podcast. But I agree. Uh, it's just the I think it's just the prestige of winning there since it's such a storied storied race. You get the benefit. I think you're getting now in the contemporary era is like better opportunities for sponsorship oh maybe you get a bigger mm -hmm. break on your taxes because all of them live there oh now there's that that's thinking there's my there's my tin hat tin hat (laughs) that is very interesting good point nolan (laughs) yeah great point okay thank you so much for your email yosip um i hope we answered your question there a little bit 
Uh, if you're not familiar with Donut for some reason, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Pass Gas. Check those things out. You can email us at DonutRacingShow at DonutMedia.com. Follow DRS on Twitter at DonutRacingShow. And you can follow DRS on Twitter at DonutRacingShow. You can follow Alanis King on Twitter and Instagram at Alanis and King. You follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter or Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. And you can follow uh, me on both platforms at Nolan J. Sykes. If you have a Blue Sky invite, hit me up. Nolan, I have one. I'll give oh. it to you. <laughs> yeah, Nolan's going to Blue Sky. You can find us over there, too. Um, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll see you around. Bye. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.